always a great blessing to preach to men. We just had our uh, men's rally in Phoenix, what, last week it was, and a thousand men gathered together in an auditorium in Phoenix, and the testosterone was flowing, amen. Always a great time. You get a thousand men together, want to hear from God. I preached Friday night, and uh, Greg Mitchell, uh, Saturday morning, uh, Mark Alston, Saturday morning, and Joe Camel. Classic sermons. If you haven't heard those, I don't know if they're on internet or where they are, they're bound to be somewhere. You need to hear those sermons because those men preached, and it was a tremendous time. If you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 9. I was uh, inspired on this sermon thinking about the healing of the ten lepers. Fascinating story. Ten lepers came to Jesus. He told them to go show themselves to the Jewish priests. Uh, In other words, you're healed. And the Bible says going, they were healed. They began to discover And then one turned back and came back to Jesus and began to give him thanks. And he said, uh, uh, ten were healed. Where's the other nine at? And so that's a very, very interesting story because it's possible for us to be touched by God, even healed. But he said to this one that came back to give thanks that he was made whole. Now think about that for a moment because it's possible to be touched by God, even receive a healing, but still not be made whole. So think about that because that inspired me on this uh, sermon. I want to preach about the woundings of life in uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, Not of this building, neither by the blood of uh, goats and and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, uh, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of goats, uh, bulls and of goats, and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean, uh, 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 sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, verse 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, that's a very interesting statement. Uh, In ministry, I often quote that and uh, and, uh, talk about that statement because we're talking about the blood of Jesus Christ. And uh, many people are touched by God but there's still bondages in their life uh, and people who have PTSD have had an experience in life that has caused uh, what uh, those who commentator a wounding of the soul so the soul is made up of two or three elements body soul and spirit uh, intellect will and emotions so ponder that for a moment as we begin to uh, uh, delve into this, we're triune beings. We have a body, we have a soul, we have a spirit. These are individual uh, entities of our personality. uh, And uh, the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So 
body, soul, and spirit, the aim of God's creation is to integrate these into a personality. They all are distinctive. The soul is distinctive. Uh, the will is uh, distinctive. The mind is distinctive. But all of these, uh, for a person to be uh, properly function, must coordinate and act together. I often use a statement uh, in ministry in my church and wherever I am that it doesn't matter what happens to you in life. It's how you process that. So when they're not properly uh, functioning, why then... Uh, those who minister in PTSD, they say that uh, you, need to, you need to undergo the process that we're going to bring you to. And I sent off in Charisma magazine, a man uh, has a ministry, goes into churches and teaches the people to minister. And uh, he has a prayer that has 10 segments. You have to pray that prayer specifically to get people healed. I don't doubt that people are getting healed and people are getting together, but I'm not necessarily convinced it's those ten statements that do that. When you're into that realm of dealing with human personality, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. First Thessalonians 5.23 says, In the very God of peace, sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Life leaves its mark. Think about that for a moment because we are spiritual beings. We function in a spiritual arena. And uh, in this text that we have, it mentions conscience uh, and dead works. Now ponder that for a moment because that's important. Eh? As I said before, the soul is the intellect, the will and the emotions. Eh? A book that's worth your time reading, is a man who deals with PTSD, he wrote a book, uh, and uh, this book is The Body Keeps the Record. Very interesting. He gives several dimensions, and it's worth your time to read that. Uh, Psalms 147, verse 3 says, He heals the broken in heart and binds up uh, their wounds. Now, that's a very, very descriptive uh, passage of Scripture. And uh, as we function in life, we have a moral, a spiritual, and emotional uh, uh, dimension of our being, and traumas happen in life. Those traumas affect those three elements uh, of our personality. And this is why Psalms 147 says, He heals the broken in heart uh, and binds up their wounds. So there's an interesting dimension there. Isaiah uh, makes a note uh, of Jesus on the cross uh, and as he makes this note, uh, he begins to state, Isaiah 53, verse 5, these interesting words, uh, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Uh, he was bruised for our iniquities. Uh, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And when these stripes, we have been or we are healed in that passage of Scripture. So this word uh, wounded... Uh, Something happens, and uh, literally the root of that word means crumble or to uh, break in pieces uh, or shattered. That's the root of that word wounded. And in James 1, verse 8, uh, it says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So I, I made this statement. 
It doesn't matter what happens to you in life. It's how you process that uh, is going to determine what the con- consequences of that happens. Uh, and so uh, uh, one translator translates this, James 1, 8, a double-minded man, a two-souled man is unstable in all his ways. So now we're talking about something that is a consequence uh, of the actions that we experience and how we process that uh, is going to have a tremendous uh, 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 And another statement that's made is worth your time because uh, someone has written uh, an atonement must be uh, properly processed. Uh, an atonement only can be healed by uh, uh, by a uh, uh, sacrifice or by a spiritual transaction. And so uh, uh, when people are talking about the woundings uh, of the soul, they're talking about uh, healing must, uh, must undo that, has to be correct, uh, and, and uh, sin must be atoned for. If you do not atone for sin in God's method, which is only the blood of Jesus Christ, that's the only way to heal uh, sin. If you try to do it yourself method, which many people does, I was reading that uh, article in a magazine said, if you send off 1995, get this brown paper bag, blow into it, uh, why well, your trauma will be healed, your your guilt will be atoned. And so, uh, you know, the uh, Muslims they go to uh, Saudi Arabia and march around the the black stone, throw rocks at it, and their sin's supposed to be taken care of for another year. Well, I got news for you. It'll take more than throwing a rock. And historically, only one remedy is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We're going to come back to that for a moment because that's a supernatural spiritual transaction. And we're talking about a vicarious dimension. Calvary's cross is a vicarious dimension. When I mention vicarious, Christianity is vicarious. That means one paying the price for another. And uh, this is uh, the story of Calvary's cross. Christianity is a vicarious religion. It means that Jesus Christ died on the cross, a substitute uh, for us. uh, And the blood that he shed is the uh, receipt. This is why uh, uh, when I'm praying for people with deaf ears, uh, that I'll always say to them when I get through praying, uh, uh, put your finger in your good ear and repeat these words. And I, so I say the blood of Jesus quite frequently. Uh, they immediately will say the blood of Jesus because the devil has to hear the blood of Jesus. But he doesn't have to hear anything else. And I'll change that to hallelujah, one, two, three, four, death is a post. Back to the blood of Jesus. They can hear that perfectly. And then uh, various processes, I'll say to them, what kind of trauma have you experienced? And so uh, I was praying for a lady in Tempe, Arizona, a couple of years ago in the conference. And so she said, well, uh, our pastor pulled our church out of the fellowship. And uh, so I said, oh, so you're bitter about that? She said, yes, I am. I lost my friends, lost my family. So I said, well, uh, that's a sin. And so I want you to repent. And uh, I led her in a prayer, repenting from that. Uh, bitterness and hatred, and uh, then I spoke into that ear, perfectly healed. Uh, I didn't know, but this happened 15 years ago. No telling how many sermons that woman had heard uh, in that 15 years about forgiveness, but never made the two together. Uh, 
but that was the root of it, and uh, that, that was on a Friday night. On Sunday, uh, Pastor Mark Olson called me and said, remember the lady you prayed for there? I said, yeah. She's a Sunday school teacher. And he said, uh, she called me and uh, that Sunday afternoon, and she said, I've never been able to hear properly in the room that I teach because the air conditioner is creating a noise, and this morning I could hear perfectly regardless of what the air conditioner, and she gave me the testimony, she's perfectly healed. So now we're dealing with uh, something that reaches into the depths of our personality uh, and a vicarious uh, Dimension. This is one praying, uh, paying the price uh, uh, for another. And so this is a substitutionary. Christianity is a vicarious religion. Never forget that because it's important. So let's go back to traumas for a moment. Because uh, traumas are the consequence uh, of a wounding of the soul. So let's ponder that for a moment because it's rooted in emotions. Uh, and uh, many people have depression. They're tormented because of circumstances of the last. When I'm counseling people, I think I mentioned maybe yesterday that people who are from a broken home generally will suffer from a rejection because children are the ones that pay the price for divorce. They always feel it's their fault. And when you are counseling, they're unable to counsel the trauma, the shock of the breakup of family properly, uh, and uh, they will suffer from rejection. So that goes further than that. Uh, we deal with many people who are fresh out of prison. We had a, uh, a uh, uh, drug rehab ministry. We just uh, stopped that because uh, we couldn't get enough people to make the thing pay, and so we stopped that at least uh, uh, primarily. I was in a baptismal service some months ago, maybe three months ago, and five men were uh, baptized, were fresh out of prison, all of them, all five, and they got baptized with a man that he was out of prison. So I'm looking at that and said, what a wonderful thing the gospel is. Can you say amen? Because uh, something happens to people in the process of life. It's why this man wrote the book, uh, The Body Keeps the Record. So... Uh, Many times men who've been in prison have been raped in prison. I don't know if you know that, but that's one of the uh, things. Many people in their life, they're bearing the brunt of molestation. Uh, uh, many people, uh, uh, men especially, uh, have had a homosexual experience. And I mentioned in the earlier seminar that, uh, th that something has happened in that uh, and many times uh, they have been uh, suffering a wound, wounding in their soul, and this uh, trauma that takes place. Uh, and so we're talking about profound consequences. This man that uh, has this ministry in these churches uh, and has the 10-step uh, uh, prayer, uh, I think it was in Charisma Magazine, it goes around, and I sent and got that, uh, that uh, video and watched it, and I said, I have no doubt he's getting people healed. But when you're in the spiritual realm, you begin to see some things that uh, don't directly connect. You may think they do, but they don't really connect because you're dealing in a spiritual arena. So let's go back to then the statement here, profound consequences. When it uses the word wounded, it's talking about shattered. So people who have traumas uh, have had a wounding of the soul, and that's why I read James 1, 8, 
that a double-minded man or a two-soul man, and some translate that a soul and a soul. So there is a process in their personality that uh, they've been wounded, broken. This is why Psalms 147 says uh, he heals the broken in heart uh, and he binds up uh, their wounds. That's a key scripture. You need to write that down, do your own study on that. And so what we're dealing with when we're dealing with this is a conflicted personality. I don't know if you do any reading or whatever, but uh, as I said before, guilt, someone says, must be atoned for. You either will atone for this in God's method or you will, uh, you will uh, 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 internalize that, uh, but it doesn't go away. If you internalize that and you don't take care of it, God's method, which is the blood of Jesus, confession, repentance, then you will internalize that. It doesn't go away. It will break out in a twisted mental process uh, or emotional uh, uh, trauma uh, and uh, uh, derangement. Or many times it breaks out later in physical sickness. If you've been in a crusade, you've seen me. uh, When I pray for people, they don't get healed. I say to them, uh, if I ask you right now who hurt you, who would come to your mind? And sometimes they say, nobody. I've forgiven everybody. How old are you? Well, I'm 65 years old. Nobody's hurt you in 65 years? Well, yes, you know. Or others, you ask them, and said, uh, who's hurt you? They said, everybody. <laughs> and so the whole church or the pastor has hurt me. So I ask him that because many times uh, that feeds into getting them healed, uh, them recognizing that, uh, and uh, beginning to repent from that uh, and uh, and say that. So mental twisting, uh, mental derangement, physical sickness, uh, and uh, PTSD is becoming very, very modern now. And it's becoming uh, in mainstream. And this is why I sent off and got that. Uh, that is one of the buzzwords today. Uh, I think it's uh, Mad Dog Mattis, who's a military leader, went up into San Francisco and spoke to a whole uh, group of his military men, and he says, uh, 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 we don't have PTSD. I put this this uh, article in uh, our uh, conference packet, and he said it's self-pity. I told Harold Warner, I think, five years ago, he asked me, what do you think about this business of PTSD? I said, my personal opinion is self-pity. And this is what this guy says. He's dealing with military. And he said, uh, we don't have PTSD. We're killers. We're trained to kill people. This is the part of our job, and we do this naturally. And we don't have PTSD. And then he said clearly, this is self-pity. It's a wrong uh, processing of the shocks of life. And so that article is a very interesting article. And so it's not what happens to you in life. It's how... You process that, uh, and uh, we need to uh, uh, we need to make that. I was in Perth, Australia, a couple of years ago, and I had uh, uh, announced I'm going to preach on healing, preached on healing, and then I gave a call for people with uh, one deaf ear. Or two Aboriginal ladies came. I prayed for the first one. No consequence, no. Uh, and I so I said to her, "What kind of trauma have you had?" And she said, "Well." Uh, my mother died of cancer this year. So I said, oh, you're mad at God then? She said, yes, I am. So I said, that's sin. 
I want you to repent of that now. Let her in a prayer, repenting of bitterness and, and uh, God. Instantly the ear opened, made a tremendous uh, uh, visible illustration for all the pastors that were there in that conference. And the second one, exactly the same thing. And uh, so I'm talking out of experience of seeing this happen. It's how you process it. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 and 26 says, Be you angry and do not sin. Let not, your, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Now that's a key scripture in the Bible. And so it's talking about the realities of life. There isn't a person in this building that doesn't have the uh, ability to get angry. Is that correct? If you have teenage kids, it, it, it happens often, yes. Or if you're married, why, it happens from time to time. But one of the things that the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, but take care of that, process it. If you do not, then you give place to the devil. That word place is the Greek word topos. It is the imagery of territorial location. Think about that for a moment. If you are in a military uh, uh, maneuver and you want to take over a land or a place, you first of all will land your uh, forces on a place on the earth. You pick the place you're going to land, and from that place you begin to roll out your equipment and your personnel uh, so that you can bring the entire land into conquest. So that makes this word topos meaningful because the devil is constantly at work trying to gain a landing spot in your personality. Unless you take care of that in anger and bitterness and resentment is one of those. Unless you take care of that, then you're furnishing a place for the devil to land and begin from that spot to go and take, uh, take uh, your entire personality uh, in, uh, in uh, dominion. So that has tremendous meaning. This is why when I'm praying for the sick and they don't get healed the first time I pray, then I begin to make inquiry. What kind of trauma have you had? Or who uh, are you uh, mad at? Or somebody's hurt you? And uh, that. And so uh, uh, it's quite interesting the answers uh, that you get because uh, the woundings uh, of the soul is a reality. Remember I said we're body soul and spirit. If we experience a trauma, then it causes us to be dysfunctional in our personality. We don't just drop down dead, but we begin to react and one damage begins to affect the other. Sometimes it breaks out in sickness. Sometimes we just have a people that say, I'm Irish and I'm entitled to an Irish personality. No, uh, you've made a habit of that and you've embraced that. You're trying to excuse it by your ancestral background. So this is quite common. So let's think about that for a moment because this has meaning and let's come back to the blood of Jesus Christ. So the body uh, has uh, the ability to keep records uh, and God's evidence uh, of the blood of Jesus uh, is evidence of a finished work. So this is why when you watch me and I'm praying for the sick, I'm always pleading the blood of Jesus Christ. This is a biblical record. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, 
And without the shedding of blood is uh, no remission. Now, those are not just words. They'll have tremendous meaning. I know many years ago in the charismatic movement, I had an evangelist uh, that was ministering to the charismatic group. And he said, Pastor, he said, the uh, charismatics say it's wrong to plead the blood of Jesus. I said, well, uh, it's not wrong. It's in the Bible very, very plainly. Uh, and besides that, uh, I prayed for too many people and saw them healed and delivered by the blood of Jesus uh, to begin to set that aside. Second Corinthians 4.13 says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore we speak. Now think about this for a moment because we're dealing with uh, a, uh, a mind-blowing uh, dimension. So... Uh, Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it's the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. But any spiritual dimension is activated by human speech. Think about that for a moment. It does not automatically take place. There are many people, they're saved, they're living for God, but they need an answer to prayer. They need an answer for healing. They need a, a deliverance. Uh, and they do nothing with their verbal speech. I, I uh, preach many different places. In some pre- churches I preach in, they ought to put a sign over the prayer room door, meditation room, because nobody's praying. They're all looking around. Sometimes they uh, have their eyes closed. I remember... In 2009, when I had to go in and and, uh, affect the uh, salvation of the Perth Church, uh, the first night I was up on the platform uh, sitting uh, on the floor uh, where I always pray, and a man came up behind me and said, Pastor Mitchell, I was going to leave the church tonight, but I heard you praying. And he said, that's what I want. And so I'm going to stay with the church. And so I never have claimed any special dimension, but something about the sound of my voice moved in him and he stayed in the church and for very long as I became the pastor he was doing healing crusades in a local park and so he's still in the church today and so something about my voice and he said to me he said the former pastor never prayed he'd come and sit and read a book or sit with his eyes closed or look around but he never prayed when you prayed he said I want that, and I'm staying with the church, and he's still in the church today. So ponder that for a moment, because we're talking about uh, Acts chapter 22, verse 16. And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Anytime you see prayer mentioned in the, in, in the Bible, it's verbal. So this is why I said many prayer rooms we ought to put meditation room because that's all people are doing. They're not praying. I think I mentioned in an earlier seminar that uh, in the book of Jude, verse 20, uh, Jude, it says, and building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And this doctor that wrote Faith Link is a French doctor. He makes a statement that they measured people praying and measured them when they speak in tongues as a different dimension registered than praying in English, and especially in sitting with your eyes closed. 
So that means something tonight is when he says praying in the Holy Ghost and we tie that together, then we're talking about something that is measurable and demonstrative. Conscience purged. Think about that for a moment. Thank God for that. Can you say amen? Conscience purged. I would hate to have a screen put up in front of this wall here and each person that is your setting, we'd have your sins portrayed on that because we'd go out wanting to vomit. Because we're sinners. Can you say amen? If you don't believe that, why uh, I'm giving an altar call a little while. You can come and be honest with God. So sins, conscience purged, a miracle of God's grace. Ponder that for a moment because uh, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20 through 22 says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart for their life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. What a tremendous statement that it is. So the Apostle Paul enumerates this issue in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. He says, I thank God Jesus, Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me in that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. What tremendous words that those are that relate to us in the Scripture to have encouragement. So your conscience purged is a tremendous statement that we need to lock onto that. Now, this is a mind-boggling display of God's grace and love. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, uh, strife, jealousy, wrath, uh, factions, uh, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the like, of which I tell you before, as I've also told you now in time past, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't care what Osteen says from Houston. That's what the Bible says. Can you say amen? Say, you hate Joel Osteen? No, I don't hate him. He's just, uh, he's a motivational speaker, but he's a poor excuse for a pastor. He's the one who says that, uh, you know, if you have an alcohol problem, I don't care if you uh, drink alcohol, just as long as you don't come to church drunk. That's not what the Bible says, is it? I just read in that. And I don't care what Calvary Chapel says or Eternal Security says. That's what the Bible says, that they which do such things shall not enter into the kingdom of God. And that's what the Bible says very clearly. This is a profound action by God. Think about that. You know, uh, uh, it's very interesting. My son and I, we both, uh, when we're eating, we have a habit of spilling stuff. It always lands in our crotch, you know. It goes down over a, that's a family joke. And uh, recently I had a white shirt on and I dropped some food on. 
and uh, but I've got to wear that again. So uh, I'm I'm in a place, and so I have one of these uh, uh, things that you rub over and it disappears. That's a wonderful invention, can you say, especially for preachers. And so think about that now. But now we're talking about the stain on the human soul. Listen to Galatians, uh, 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 First Corinthians, chapter six, verse nine through eleven. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. That's queers if you don't know how to uh, uh, interpret that. That's faggots. That's what the Bible says. I didn't invent that. The Bible writes that. So uh, I'm inclined to, to believe the Bible. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now, as I read those two passages of scriptures, this covers most of human personality in their lives. And uh, this is a corruption. The Bible talks about corruption of body and soul. And this is a corruption of the body and the soul. And this is a profound action that God is going to save and cleanse these people. Titus 1.5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of generation and renewing of the Holy Spirit. What tremendous words those are. Can you say amen? Because here's human conduct, and here we're talking about the purging of human conduct and personality. And so this is a generation that's been ruined by pornography. I told somebody today, I said, I saw in my generation television ruin America. Ruin America. Are you listening to me? So are you against television? Absolutely. Never had one. Wouldn't have had it in my house. It came in while I was a new convert. It began to be prominent. I never would have one in my house. Absolutely not. My children were raised. I can't say they never watched television, but they never watched it at home. Because there's an agenda to movies. There's an agenda to music. There's a spirit that puts that together, and uh, I saw that. And the worst thing that's happened in our generation is young kids, like these kids sitting on the front row here, can get a cell phone, God forbid, and log in at school to pornography as they're taught by their peers how to use it. But the horrible thing is that many adults have been hooked at that, and one of the major problems you have in your church is pornography. You may think you don't, but you will. You keep preaching, it'll begin to surface. But Jesus Christ will purge our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Isn't that a wonderful testimony? That God can reach into human personality, whether it's adultery, idolatry, fornication, lying, theft, or purge the conscience from dead works to serve the living God. I remember an old movie uh, that we showed in our uh, 
in our uh, church years ago was made in Hollywood. That's when Hollywood was making uh, movies, and this was a movie that was on the crucifixion of Jesus. You may remember the name of it, but it showed him being crucified, and as he was being crucified, it began to rain, and uh, it fell off on his body, and blood came off, began to wash down the street, and uh, there was a crippled man down the street, and that uh, water with the blood touched him, and he's healed by a miracle of God. Anybody ever remember that film that we showed? Let me see your hand. I'm not giving an altar call. I'm just asking. <laughs> okay. Well, it was a very profound movie, and uh, it was showed that. So rain fell on Calvary. The blood dropped in the water, and it was a healing because uh, this correctly depicted uh, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The blood is God's receipt that the penalty has been paid. And those who need forgiveness, need a purging of their conscience, uh, can receive that. Paul, at one moment, is a religious uh, murderer. He's hauling people into prison. Some of them died. He's headed for Damascus one moment. He's knocked to the ground as a great light shines, and on the ground... He hears a voice saying, uh, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord, that I'd persecute you? He said, I'm Jesus. And out of Paul's mouth came these words, Lord, what do you want me to do? I wonder if you've ever done that tonight. Have you ever bowed down and said, God, what do you want me to do? That's what Christianity is. Christianity isn't that you be religious. You go to church. You have a Bible. You listen to sermons. Christianity uh, is God's dimension touching you in the inner parts of your soul and you surrendering to God and saying to God, what do you want me to do? I had an occasion some years ago. I had a man call me. I pastored this man in another nation. And uh, he called me. He said, Pastor Mitchell, uh, he said, uh, I want I want you to pray for me. He said, uh, I committed a sin some years ago, and I've never settled that. And so he told me uh, the sin that he'd committed. And something happens to people who have not resolved the business of sin that in a weak moment, the devil doesn't come on the scene the minute, ah, you did it, <clears throat> and, uh, he, does, he, he execs the penalty that neither has got. If uh, I was pondering this one day, that if every time people sin, that a lightning bolt would come from it and leave a pile of ashes, I think it would change human conduct. I'm not sure. But that doesn't happen. But that doesn't mean that uh, the wages of sin doesn't play out. This man called me, and uh, he was in a crisis moment of life. And in this crisis moment, this thing came back to him, that he'd committed like uh, fingers through a wet paper towel came through because the devil keeps record and he doesn't always exact the penalty in the moment. But he has a wonderful replay button. How many of you know what a replay button? I use it in sports. When there's an argument about whether the uh, facts are facts, uh, then they play the replay button and they look at that. The devil has a uh, marvelous reset button of your past life. He doesn't push it every day, but he pushes it in a strategic moment, like fingers through a wet paper towel that surges to the surface. So this man's having this moment. He calls me. I'm in another nation. 
I'd passed him before, so he had confidence in me. He told me the story because he said, I called you because I knew that you could help me. I did pray for him, did bring him deliverance and uh, help from that. And uh, that was a proof that this works. Now think about that for a moment uh, because this is available to every human being. Think about that for a moment. There's a song that, uh, of course, is part of a song. It's give them all. This fits this sermon to the T. The words of this says, give them all. Give them all. Give them all to Jesus. Shattered dreams, uh, wounded hearts, uh, and broken souls. Give them all. Give them all. Give them all to Jesus, uh, and he'll turn your sorrows into joy. Before that man was off the phone, he had experienced that because the words were used, using the blood of Jesus Christ. And he hung that phone up with the deliverance from God. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed for a moment. And I'm talking about the reality. Remember this text in Psalms 147.3. Psalms 147.3 gives a deliberate statement, and that statement says the words, uh, He heals the broken in heart, and He binds up their wounds. So that's describing, according to my sermon, what happens to people who are experiencing the woundings of life. People have the woundings of life in many different ways. Sometimes it's sexual violations. Uh, women who uh, many times had bulimia or uh, anorexia almost always have been violated sexually, and that's the root of that. The loss of a loved one can bring a shock or perhaps the death of a close friend. A homosexual act. Many men have had uh, homosexual acts uh, that sometimes in youth or they've been taken advantage of and there's a wounding that takes place of the soul. Uh, as I, that's why I use the term of men who've been in prison. Many of them have been raped in prison. Maybe you've committed a rape. That is also a wounding of the soul. Doing violence to another person, sometimes a violent action a betrayal of relationships often will do that. People who have experienced a, a broken marriage often will, will experience that. A betrayed relationship. You have a close friend or a close associate, they betray a relationship. This will cause a wounding of the soul. Sometimes a physical injury to the body will call this. I was in... Uh, I was in Melbourne, Australia some years ago, and I uh, stopped there because we always get a good crowd of visitors. And I prayed for a woman who was deaf in one ear, and I prayed she didn't get healed. And so I told her, stand back there, and I'm going to talk to you before I'm finished. After I turned it over to the pastor, I went back to her, and I said, how long have you had this uh, deaf ear? And she says, five years. So I said, what happened to you five years ago? Uh, there was a trauma. She said, I had open heart surgery. I said, oh, you were afraid you are going to die, weren't you? She said, yes, I was. So uh, that's fear of dying. That's fear. So I said, I want you to repent from that. Take dominion. I prayed for again. That ear opened instantly. 
So sometimes uh, the events of life will bring that to pass. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, a verbal assault will cause a wounding of the soul. Sometimes a, a personal failure will cause that, or, as I use the illustration, a, a sin that's unresolved. So this evening now, as I've been talking, uh, some of you, your conscience has been pricked and the memory, the devil has pushed the reset button. As I'm concluding this, I'm inviting men who have a trauma. You're saved tonight. You're in this uh, service. You have a trauma. And that's come to your memory. That could be any one of the things I've named or things that I haven't named. While you're sitting there and the devil's pushed that reset button, I want you to get up out of your seat, come and stand in front of me in this altar space. Just get up while I'm talking. Any of these things that I've named, I want you to just stand. And I'm going to pray in a little bit. But I want you to just come and stand in this, that you've been pricked. The devil pushed the reset button. And I know you're here. And this is the altar call I'm giving. I want you to come and stand. A lot of men are going to come. Just make room for them. And we begin to bring this down to a conclusion. Remember, the body keeps the record. Man wrote this whole book. And this whole book is he ministers to people who have PTSD. A lot of military men have that. But a lot of people who are not military have that because the events of life, the woundings of the soul... When the Bible uses that word wound, it means shattered. So this has caused a dimension in your personality that affects you. Doesn't mean you're backslidden. Doesn't mean you won't go to heaven. But it is a dominion where there's a wound has been experienced in the soul. And you don't need to live with that. The blood of Jesus heals the conscience. We read that over and over and had to do with that. And so I'm going to pray with you tonight. I want us all to stand in this building tonight and pray with these men. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes, men. I want you to put your hand on your head this morning, this evening, and I want you to pray this prayer with me. Repeat these words. Say, O oh God in heaven, I recognize tonight the power of the Word of God. I identify with some of the circumstances that have been enumerated in this sermon. Lord, I bring this to you and I'm pleading the blood of Jesus Christ. I take dominion over pornography. I take dominion over any wounding, any event of life, broken relationships, personal failure, failed ministry, death of loved ones, I bring all these things to you, Lord. And if anything has not been mentioned, but I feel the conviction that has been enumerated here, I take dominion right now. I cast out the memory. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. Devil, I take dominion over you. I command you right now. You release every dimension of this torment, of this rejection, of this conviction, I cast it out and plead the blood of Jesus Christ right now. I will be free 
from this moment forward. Loose these minds, loose these emotions right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Wonderful is your name, Lord. We praise you. Thank you for the precious blood. Wonderful is your name, Lord. Let's give God praise right now. Wonderful is your name, Lord. Wonderful is your name, Lord. Let the blood of the overwhelming of your spirit be made Thank you, Father God, for dominion. Purge every conscience, Lord, tonight. The precious blood of Jesus makes holy. We love your name and thank you tonight, Lord. Praises unto God. Praises unto God. Some of you are going to notice a distinctive difference in your personality from this moment. Tell your pastor or tell somebody about that because God does hear and answer prayer. Can you say amen? Amen. And the blood brings deliverance. The Lord bless you. Whoever's in charge of this, uh, is it Brother Suspensky? He's running for his life back there. Amen. Thank you for letting me minister to you and pray for you tonight.